0: Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every ancient prophecy, shire-like hometown, overachieving teenage girl, and farm boy turned messiah are important and critical to our lives, no matter how trivial the story may seem. I'm Mandy. I'm Michael. And this podcast is not the beginning, as there are neither beginnings nor endings in the turning of the Wheel of Time, but it is a beginning. That's right. Today, we're talking about the Wheel of Time. Though, not in its entirety, I should say. We are talking about books one through three, which specifically are The Eye of the World, uh, The Great Hunt, and The Dragon Reborn.
1: Um, for some context, Amandy, you are someone who has read the entire series multiple times?
0: Uh, the entire series multiple times might be too strong, since like Harry Potter, it's one of those things where the latest book you've read the least number of times, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But I have read many times uh, many of the books.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I have only read, and by read, I mean listen to the audiobooks of these three books and know nothing else. And I've done those each once and very recently. Right. So uh, very different did, I, approaches here.
0: I, I was—I had the best intentions to reread before this, but I did not. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But <laughs> for those listening, there will be no spoilers past book three. Um, and uh, so if you are thinking about starting The Wheel of Time, you know, you could probably listen to this and be okay. Because I don't think there's any shattering revelations in the first three books. Uh, that aren't, these books are written in the 80s.
1: (laughs) but there will be spoilers for these three, obviously. Yes, (laughs) Uh,
0: and I am a huge Wheel of Time fan. Uh, I, in fact, wear an Aes Sedai ring every day, Uh, and uh, the Wheel of Time was a big part of my childhood, and uh, I started reading them when I was 11 because uh, my dad found a copy of Book 8 on an airplane, um, and it had been left there. Uh, my my dad's a pilot. And uh, with, with books, you know, if no one comes and claims them, it's kind of like, what do you do, right? It's like a $5 book. So he brought it home and because uh, he thought it looked like something I would read, and he gave it to me. And I was like, this is book eight. That's not helpful. Uh, so we <laughs> went to the library, and we got the Eye of the World. But my mom wanted to read it first because uh, she wasn't sure it would be age appropriate because I was 11. Um, And uh, I'll never forget because she just finished the prologue and she was so impressed by it that she read it out loud to me. Um, And uh, that's like when I read the prologue, I still hear it in my mom's voice. Uh, And from that point I finished all of the books that were out, which I think was one to eight. Um, And then I had to wait for each subsequent book. So it it was a long, long ride. It didn't finish until I was uh, well into college. Uh,
1: I mean, I guess if uh, listeners aren't aware, I vaguely knew because you had told me, but your Twitter handle is clearly a Wheel of Time reference. Yes, it so. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, my exposure has been basically non-existent, except for one time I sat in with you and your parents at a DragonCon Wheel of Time panel and just didn't know what people were talking about, because uh-huh. <laughs> I just wanted to hang out with you guys. So I <laughs> just like sat there and like, played with my phone or something while people talked. Yeah. But, uh, but now I know, and now I would have to actively avoid those panels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lest you be spoiled. Though hopefully by next Dragon Con, you uh, uh, will have the series finished.
1: That's true. Maybe so. At the rate that I've gone through these three, it's, it's possible. Well, uh, well,
0: we'll talk about that at the end.
1: <laughs> maybe so.
0: Uh, but I, I was thinking about how to approach the Wheel of Time. And I was thinking about how, in general, approach the Wheel of Time. And because it's such a massive story, I find that we have to approach it character by character. Otherwise, it kind of gets uh, chaotic, especially the further we get into real time. So I thought we'd just talk about the different characters and your impressions of them. And I will do my best not to say anything spoilery uh, because I know everything that happens to these people.
1: So I I need to start and you're going to need to brace yourself. I need to start with the negative. Uh, in general, like large sweeping negatives, because okay. otherwise it would color a lot of the conversation and I don't want it to.
0: Okay, go for, go for so, your negatives.
1: Okay, so so to start with, um, I before I even started the negatives, I do like what I've read or listened to or whatever. I, I do like it, so please take that into account. <laughs> like in general, I have a positive affections for the series. So I want to start on a, it's more, it's almost... Th- a thematic thing, but I have some deep-rooted issues with nearly every single character in this series <laughs> that I thought were getting better, but are actually getting worse now.
0: Yeah, um, things get worse before they get better.
1: I, But I actually don't think, like, I, I was thinking long and hard about why I was having these issues, and I don't think it's tied to the characters themselves, but rather the way Robert Jordan has chosen to write them. Now, so there's a, there are two ways I could interpret some of my problems with what with uh, recurring issues that basically every single character has in common. One of them could be, like, essentially indicating that it has something to do with, like, a problem with Robert Jordan as an author. The other could be, instead, that it's an intentional choice that just happens to rub me the wrong way, which is fine and I can live with. And I've chosen the latter. So, All right, um, just
0: tell me what they are.
1: <laughs> so the core thing is that pretty much every single character is obnoxious and cocky and doesn't know how to listen to anyone, thinks way too much of themselves, does not realize how ignorant they are. It's like a... It's just this weird thing where, in the real world, not everyone has exactly the same problem. (laughs) But in this, it's like every character really hates that every other character has this problem, but they have it just as bad themselves. And, like, the worst that someone seems to criticize this in other characters, the worse they have it. It's really bad. Um, but tying into the general theme of this world, where it's a hev- heavily... Uh, the world itself is heavily uh, destiny-based, I guess, because of just the nature of the Wheel of Time and so on, or at least whether it's true or not, they all see and feel like, you know, what's written is what'll happen. The wheel... You know, what's the phrase? The the, the wheel needs
0: the... as the wheel wills.
1: Exactly. So, like, that... Things, things happen as it will, and so there's a whole lot of this, like, look, essentially, this is destiny, this is what's going to happen, while they also clearly don't know what's, you know, what's written or what's supposed to happen. But I can understand that a society where for thousands of years, whether it's true or not, where people see the world that way, would drive these personality traits to be very, very, very common. So I'm willing to, like, give it a pass, but it's not going to stop annoying me constantly.
0: I will say so. uh, that is very common. Uh, I think there are character exceptions that but don't think they prove the rule, right? Right,
1: exactly. Like they, they stand out to me because they're exceptions.
0: Right. I I would say, uh, Perrin generally thinks he has no idea what's happening at all. Right. Even though a lot of times he actually has the best grasp of the situation, but because (laughs) everyone else is so confident, uh, and, and he's the one who actually listens to people. It's because he feels like he has no idea what's happening at all. Right. Uh, and then, um. I don't think you saw much of her in these books but uh men
1: uh, uh i i mean i already really i i mean i've seen a lot of men so i know about her power and or right. you know her. so
0: while she yeah. knows a lot because of her power if you will uh she's just not very she doesn't put her out herself out there a lot
1: <laughs> right well and she actively says that too like people people go and they ask her and she's like i don't like telling people what they see because i don't understand what i'm seeing so it's right. like in how much is being thrown at her, she knows that it's not actually that valuable because then, it's not not understood.
0: I, I I feel like like Moraine and Lan obviously have reasons for thinking they have everything together because they're old. right. They're just uh, wrong
1: though. <laughs> but some, like uh, th- sometimes, sometimes uh, they're they're wrong often enough where it's starting to get frustrating. They've
0: never raised teenagers is the problem,
1: <laughs> right? So Mer- Lan gets frustrating a lot less because he's taking Moraine's lead. Um, most of the time, you know? And and so, like, I can kind of side with him more. Moraine gets frustrating less often to me than she does to the other characters. Because it's like, guys, clearly she knows a lot that you don't. You know, so there is that. I
0: I think she just really has no idea how to handle teenagers.
1: Right. Um, And all of
0: our main characters are teenagers yeah.
1: and none of them share but Moraine has some of the problems that are super common to all the other Aes Sedai which is like right. they don't share information when they really should be sharing information right. and it's yeah. like they themselves are aware that they're missing details and they don't realize that them not sharing information is stops them from getting more and it's just this weird cluster it's like you could be doing so much better here and they don't um, but uh, the other exception is loyal who like reads a lot and realizes that he knows what he knows and doesn't know everything else um, but he's also not yeah. human, so and
0: I feel like Rand started out okay,
1: <laughs> and then got worse in this. Yes, respect. And, and
0: he's just going to get systematically worse before he gets better. So prepare yourself right. emotionally for that. I,
1: yeah, I, I'm now prepared, and because you and I were talking when I started about how I basically didn't like anybody, and then I was like, oh, but they're getting better. Except it, it they weren't. I just convinced myself. Oh, oh, that drives myself to one other major criticism, and it's a, but again, it, it's rooted in this, this thing that we're seeing is, and I, I, and I think I've mentioned this before, I'm way more critical of fictional characters than real people, because right. like, as I get older, I get less and less and less critical of real people, and therefore I kind of take it out on fictional characters instead. <laughs> uh, which, you know, if it has to get out somewhere, <laughs> I'd rather it be that way than the other way around. Um, and I think that one of the things that bothers me is that these people are, many of them clearly have already done by the end of book three. And clearly have other great things coming, but most of them feel like they are people who will do great things and are ostensibly, are supposed to be great people, but are not really worthy of it. So they're, like, becoming, hopefully, over the course of the story, they will become worthy of the destiny they've been given. Whereas you have a handful of characters who are already good, like, good in character, who are you know, who are then just getting thrust into a situation that is like, all right, they're kind of worthy of the situation they're being thrown at. Like, like Perrin doesn't want any of the crap that's being thrown at him, but also just kind of, you know, deals with it as best as somebody can. Whereas, like, other people are just super rash and just, like, learning to communicate in ways that are necessary to deal with the stuff that is being heaped upon them, you know? Um, and it's, it's a common thing, Again, like, there are exceptions. They're like, okay, no, this person kind of... They're being improved. There are people who are being improved by the situation or have to improve to be able to handle the situations, versus people who are like, "All right, no, they're already like decent people who just have things to learn." So it's a weird thing.
0: Yeah, though I I, right, whenever approaching these characters, I feel like we can't lose sight of the fact that at the beginning of the Eye of the World, the boys are eighteen and the girls, naive, accepting, are sixteen. So Elaine, men, well, men might be slightly older, but Elaine and Egwene are basically 16 years old. Uh, and, uh, you know... I mean, even Loyal is
1: like a teenager for his people. For his, for his people,
0: yeah. Right. And, and I think uh, Moraine is supposed to be around uh, 40, so she's not even particularly old for an Aes Sedai. Um, because I, if I remember correctly, or she might be
1: 50, because
0: I think she's an accepted during the Ale War which is when Rand was born. Well,
1: right. they haven't told uh, uh, me in the books. Three, like you just get the idea that she looks like a woman, but is probably significantly older than she looks, but right. still considerably younger than other Sedai. Right. So, like,
0: yeah. So, I, I think that's about accurate. So, and Nineve and is like twenty six. Uh, so she's a little bit younger than us now. She
1: really uh, acts like a teenager, though.
0: But I, I think. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Yes. But yeah, why, why don't we step through characters best we can? And cool. uh, uh, so we'll start with the big one. We'll start with Rand. Uh, how do you feel about Rand? What do you like and dislike in his character and his story arc so far? And what do you think about his apparent destiny?
1: Um, so I really like the fact, I, I mean, I like the fact that his apparent destiny is a thing that just horrifies everybody. Um, I I like that. Like, I like the fact that people have the immediate reaction, which makes sense given what they've grown up with, of like, as soon as he finds out that he can channel, everybody's just scared of him because that makes sense given how they've all been raised and the stories. This this uh, is also
0: an inherently sexist
1: world, right? Yes.
0: Uh, Inherently sexist in favor of women. Uh, in many
1: respects that I have an issue in that, but like, I, I have some comments about that that we'll get to later. But. Right, and, and
0: one of that's because only women are allowed to use magic, because when men use magic, they go insane. But right. of course, the savior, messiah of this world, is going to be a male channeler. Yes. So people both, feel like, they, they automatically fear this person, even, even though he's, it's not like something where people are looking forward to the coming right. of this chosen one. They are not, in yeah. fact. Yeah,
1: but they also know that the world can't be saved without him. Right. Um, which is a uh, gets into all kinds of confusing things like I'm still not actually sure why Red Sedai exists um that they haven't sold me on the concept a- at to, all yet
0: to to get rid of men channeler.
1: Yeah, but they haven't convinced me that that's actually a worthy cause. Like it, 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 we'll get to that, I guess. So let's talk about Rand first. We can get to it. Um but uh I guess with Rand, I I don't know, like I really like that he is clearly talented and when he does have a clear head, he does things well. Um, he's still pretty rash. Uh, part of it is just his situation, of course, like it, pretty extreme situation where he essentially finds out that his father's not his father and then finds out that he's the special person that this prophecy is about that everybody's scared of, himself included. Um, I, he gets on my nerves sometimes, but it's like an understandable, I totally, I totally get somebody freaking out as much as he is, you know? Um, especially because nobody is straightforward with him
0: doesn't help, certainly. Yeah. The The first time I read The Wheel of Time, and, and I won't say specifically why, because somebody gets beyond these three books, I really detested Rand. Uh, keep in mind, I was, you know, 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that frustrated me overall was one of the things that frustrated you was nobody listens to the adults. Yes. Because <laughs> as an 11-year-old, I was like, an adult is speaking. <laughs> uh, and uh, I rand you know moraine tells him stuff but he doesn't trust her because she's one of these female sorceresses that they've kind of been taught their whole lives that you can't trust them like they'll tell the truth but kind of like in a fairy way right like they've been kind of taught to view them the same way we would view fairies if fairies were real right they'll tell you the truth but do not trust them Mm -hmm. um and uh, that that just really frustrated me and i hated rand uh the second time i read the whole series i was in college so I was now older than Rand, and uh, I more appreciated Rand's perspective.
1: His skepticism, if you will, sometimes. Yes.
0: Uh, that doesn't mean Rand will ever become my favorite character, uh, except maybe at the very end. But we won't talk about that. Um, yeah. But uh, I I, I had more sympathy for him. And uh, now I, I did re- reread the very beginning of The Eye of the World, and, and now my heart just breaks when I meet this, like, naive, like walk into town with Tam Rand, you know, yeah. like, life is just like, he's going to grow up and marry Egwene, and his dad, he's going to take over the family farm, and, you know, like, this is his life.
1: Uh, going to to him, to, and this is uh, one of the broader things I forgot to mention, is that the characters generally don't have any sound logic when they jump to conclusions, like none of them do, even the smart ones, like, they, you're like, that is not a reasonable conclusion given the information you have <laughs> is a thought that comes to mind a lot. Uh, uh, and that's definitely true of Rand, but it's also true of everyone else. Um it's like a lot of the time it's like, look, I have the same information you have, and that seems like a bad call. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah so a lot of the time in absence of is like you could ask this person a thing, but even if you're not and even given your the your, you know, the fact that you've been raised to distrust what these people tell you doesn't mean that they're actively trying to work against you in this, in this instance, you know, but it's it's an emotional thing. They're all very, very emotional. Even the ones who supposedly aren't emotional. Um, Everyone
0: is very emotional. That is, that is true.
1: I mean, and this is, that's true from top to bottom. Every single one of the Aes Sedai, no matter how detached they appear to be, they're all weirdly emotional sometimes. Um, So
0: I have things I can't say about that. So So far, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, when Rand starts out, he's a farm boy, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he, he he meets these icy die. He goes on this like journey and discovers he can use magic, which means he's gonna go crazy. Uh, yeah. Then uh, and, and that's basically book one yeah. for Rand, right? <laughs> uh, other than him and Matt like playing the greatest hits across you know Camlin, uh, or
1: Camlin is how the yeah. audiobook said it. Camlin, so. Uh,
0: which I always find hilarious, but uh, th- then we get to the great hunt and we have the whole Rand Celine thing.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's fun because she's come back a couple of times since then. In my in just the first, you know, across books two and three, she appears to a few people. Um, they don't know that they've all seen the same person, but she does show up to a few people. Uh, Celine is real creepy, and I've now discovered for good reason. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: So, so, you know, yeah.
1: I know that she is one of the forsaken. I can't think of her name right now. Lanphier. The Lanfear. Yes, I do know her name. So um, that has been revealed to me.
0: Yeah. She's basically stalking him because yeah. in another life, her and Luce Theron had a thing. Right. Because one of the things about the Wheel of Time is everyone is someone reborn. Right. Uh, at, at some point. Uh, yeah. And so in another life, her and Luce Theron had a thing. They weren't married. You know, she wasn't the love of his life, but th- they had a thing. And so now she, like, can't let him go.
1: <laughs> she, she feels and like she he belongs to him. her. Yes. Yeah. Um, and especially because, you know, he is pretty darn powerful, too. Um,
0: yeah. This whole time. To the power.
1: It also does bring in the thing where up until you see her and realize something's off about her and nobody questions her, probably because of her power. Um, but before that, Balzaman is the only antagonist that you're exposed to, really.
0: Right, um, which, who, when you kind of first meet him, you're like, may or may not be the Dark One.
1: Right. It, the impression you're given is he is. Right. Like, over and over and over, you're given he is. It's not until book three that you start to question that, really. Right. Um, because then you find that the others are trying, are undermining him in ways, and you're like, wait a minute. He might not be the Dark One, he might just be someone else who's a stand-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, which is, but that, that's not until book three when that actually starts to come up. Um, so yeah, she's really creepy. Uh kind of doesn't bat an eye at the fact that he can you know that he can channel and therefore get them back into because she's in this like parallel world or whatever that they get through uh through the right. the waystones. Waystones? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh I think so. they are yeah. like portal stones, but portal, stone. portal stones. Portal stones and then
1: there's the way. Those are two separate things. So Right, yeah. the ways are creepy. Yeah, so so the portal stones uh, and that's where they find her when there's like no other living creatures except for these weird monster thingies that turns out do exist in the main world too, just on a different continent or something so
0: one of the things but... I really appreciate about the wheel of time uh speaking of the ways and the portal stones is this whole like it's built on ancient societies that you see the remnants of uh right. that don't no longer exist um and uh, but it's a wheel right the wheel of time is circular that that's the whole thing so the wheel of time is simultaneously our future and our past so occasionally there are references to things that are actually from our world and even though these people seem more primitive than us it's like they are both our future and our past cuz at right. some point there's this idea maybe cuz we have no clue how the wheel of time works so this is complete speculation right we don't have magic
1: yeah so um. something
0: something happens you know, that's like the end of our technological world and the beginning of a magic world, essentially. Yeah.
1: Um, another concept, I mean, that that makes me think of, and it, again, goes to everybody's conclusions being really weird. They're, like, super confident in their conclusions that I just don't feel like are reasonable, is I basically take nothing... No matter how confidently anybody says anything, I'm not willing to accept any of it um, <laughs> because they're not giving me, like, any reason to believe it. Like, no matter how confidently ever, everybody talks about the taint in... Um, is it which one's is Sidine and Sidar? Which one's which? Which, uh, uh
0: I'm pretty sure Sadin is for men, uh, but I will okay. double check that.
1: Cool. Well, the male side, like they talk about the taint that happened because of the last time, the breaking of the world last time. Um, and you know, it, it used both the men and women to, uh, together in order to save the world or, you know, whatever. And that from that point, The male side got tainted.
0: Satan is the male side. Sadar is the female side.
1: Cool. So they talk about that. And that's why men go crazy whenever they channel, right? Like supposedly. And they talk about the fact that like, that's just the way it is. But like many things that the Aes Sedai say really confidently, I'm like, yeah, but the only reason they all feel this so confidently is that they've always thought this so confidently, right? Like, it's been thousands of years, and there's no reason why their knowledge can't be flawed or overlooking something significant. Whether or not not, that's true.
0: Having read their three books, do you think it's true or not?
1: I mean, I think they, there might be some truth to it, but that doesn't mean that it's, at, like, decisive, right? Like, as with many things, a lot of the time, I'm willing to believe that a lot of this Destiny stuff is real, um, part partially because I understand that um, the author himself has said that, yes, the Wheel of Time is a thing that turns and, you know, it's a circle and all that. So, like, that's central to the concept. So I'm willing to accept some of the stuff. Like, whenever they go and they say... And a whole bunch of people recognize, hey, this person is significant to the, uh, you know, to the fabric or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I accept that. But I'm basically not willing to accept any of their interpretations as being totally or even mostly accurate. Or maybe they're mostly accurate, but they might be off in a significant way because so often that happens, and yet they still don't seem to realize how often they're wrong. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel like my... My feeling is there is truth to it, but also there's, I will be disappointed if there's not some deep flaw in their understanding. You know, like it just feels like there's, there needs to be because they're just way too confident about it without having given a reason.
0: I think you're really going to enjoy the next book, Cool, (laughs) Uh, which doesn't necessarily expound on that particular idea, but kind of the idea that they're, they misunderstand their own history. Um, I I think is a valid criticism of the world as you've seen it because right, it's like going back to 1000 A.D. Right, yes. like what what you know? Do we even understand what happened in 1000 A.D.? Like no. we we have a fairly a a vague idea basically. Right. Um, so I I think that's uh valid. I I do think there are some things like Seder and Satan that basically. <sighs> Scientific is the wrong word, because they don't use science. Empirical. Um, because it's something that exists in their world that they still actively use, they, they have empirical evidence one way or the other that at least supports some claims.
1: Right, right, right. Uh,
0: but uh, yeah, I, I, I want you to read the fourth book now.
1: Cool. Well, <laughs> I, I just mean more like they're, again, yes, clearly some of them, especially the Aes Sedai, like, they are somewhat empirical about processes and stuff like that. But they also only have access to one half, right? So the other is, it's like, basically, what have we observed so far? And there aren't that many cases. Uh, in the, and so it's like, you're drawing a lot of conclusions for, uh, based on limited information. And again, the, the fact that you just don't have really good history. Like, they, how often my few exposure to, ex- few exposures to Brown Aja, where they're actually talking about the history, is like, yeah, there's just not much on this. I've read everything we have, and there's just not much. And it's like, there's so many gaps... To the point where again, I am way less confident about stuff in you know from a couple thousand years ago than they are from a couple thousand years ago, right well, but it's like it's like far
0: uh, more than a thousand years between the ages uh, if, if you look at the timelines, even as they mention it in the book, like uh, what the Trolloc wars was probably a thousand
1: years right, ago. right. well well and that's what I mean is they, they talk about it more confidently than I would things that happened much more recently where I have much much more material to read than they do right and that's that just bugs me so i'm i have gotten the impression that that like that that is on purpose like there is supposed to be that doubt that i have which i'm thankfully like you have instilled some confidence there or maybe (laughs) it is a
0: thousand years maybe this age only has been a thousand years
1: i think this the impression i've gotten was that it was like two thousand but i don't know
0: i'm not entirely confident i do know that a lot of the things they mentioned you get the impression that their age has been a long time, right? Right. There's a right. lot of this talk of, like, Ardor uh Hawkwing, Right. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Uh, the Trollic Wars. That was a long time ago. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Mantherin. That was a long time ago, right? Like, their world has had a lot of changes. And a thousand years is probably accurate. If you think about, like, a thousand years ago, the world was very different from what it is now, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But uh, – yeah, the the they're in the third age. The second age was completely different, the age of legends. Um, right. and so their understanding of that, I, they barely understand that if at all. And we only have any insight to the age of legends because of characters like Lanfear, I would say.
1: Cool. Um so this also though, just this tangent that we've gone on as far as like their confidence and how they how they look at that, that ties into that what I was going to say about uh the red aja where it's like based on this inherent Basically, the logic of their existence just seems off because it's like, hey, as soon as any man shows up who has the ability to channel, you basically go off to eliminate his ability. But you are inherently reliant on one appearing who can do it. So it's like this weird, we're going to work against our own destiny rather than figure out some way to keep these people under control to see if they're the right person or not right? Like, it's an inherently destructive I I,
0: kind of I think their, their Aja purpose has been corrupted. Uh, that's,
1: that's what it feels like, yeah. It's been corrupted, and it's like they're not thinking straight, so I don't know why they exist as they do.
0: Sorry. We, you'll probably get a weird blip here in the podcast if you're listening to it.
1: Yeah, we had some technical uh, issues.
0: <laughs> uh, so, going back to this idea of the Ajas, I, I think we see it a lot, and, I, and I, I can't remember, have they been to Tar Valon by the end of The Dragon Reborn?
1: Yes. Yes, they okay. have. They've uh, they've been there. Um I think are they all there at the end? Yeah, yeah. Well, so the dra- wait, wait, no. The Dragon Reborn is the second one.
0: The Dragon Reborn is the third one.
1: Oh, the third one. So, so at the end is when he uh he gets um what's it called? The the, the sword. sword. Yeah.
0: From the stone. Yes. Yes, he
1: gets he gets the sword from the stone. Um <laughs> which okay, it is
0: supposed to be that obvious. Yes. Yeah.
1: So so uh but what, that's what's the name of the tier. Sw- Oh, that's in tier Tar Tarvalin is well before that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, do they get to Tarvalin by the end of the Great Hunt? That this is what I'm asking you.
1: Yeah, I yeah, because because that's where uh, Matt gets healed and okay, all that. So Matt
0: is healed, um, and he has the gaps in his memories. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you'll get more and more exposed to Aes Sedai as the story progresses, because obviously they're an important force in this world. Um, but I I would ha- pay attention, um, to this idea that the Ajahs have subverted their own, um purposes because like the green aja right they're the battle aja right right uh but i i never really get the impression especially early that they're actually preparing for battle uh (laughs) you know (laughs) and just different things where you're like they've they've subverted their own purposes like the blue aja like part of their purpose is supposed to be things like finding the dragon reborn and who's the only one doing it
1: right yeah um, well, and there's also, I mean, things with the green Aja, you have the weird political things, which makes sense. But the uh, the oaths that the that they all have to swear before they become an nice that they won't use oh, their yeah. powers as weapons. It's like, but that doesn't actually make sense. Like it makes sense from a political perspective so that people don't like freak out and like shake and fear at you. But you're not going to not use it if push comes to shove. So it's not well, really can't. that
0: the oaths bind them. They can't.
1: Yeah, it, it just ICDI it undermines literally their literally Cannot
0: tell a lie. They literally cannot use their power against a person. Um, and that's definitely going to be a theme that you're going to see, right? Because the said I are allowed to use their power against things like Trollocs, right? Right. Um, so there's it's it's almost like part of it comes from Arthur Pendragon's days. Uh, not Pendragon. They don't call Arthur it Hawkwing. It. Arthur Hawkwing, uh, the King Arthur. Yes, that King Arthur. Um. Because he hated the Aes die, and there was all of these, like, weird, like, you know, things. Uh, but it's almost like they've got this idea that no people will be on the side of the Dark One at the end of time, you
1: know? Yeah, like, and they've it, taken themselves out of the battle, which is not cool, right. <laughs> you know? and,
0: and you're definitely going to see that thematically be a thing. Uh, I won't say how things go, obviously.
1: Well, um, so at this point, I can say, like, some of – there's – Obviously, already the inkling of it because you, we've already had the thing where um, our three our three ladies who are new to it have been taken, capture prisoner. Some of them forced to use their power and so on. So they've already learned to weaponize their powers, and they have not sworn the oath yet.
0: That's right, the Shan
1: Chan. So, yeah, because the Shan Chan are pretty bad. It's like you, you do realize now that these people can force because they do force some Sedai to use their power, right? Um, um,
0: I don't think I. I, I am trying to remember, but I feel like there is a weird thing with Domain and the three, uh, uh, the three oaths, because I'm not even sure they can force them to break the three oaths with and I think that's something the Shan Shan actually struggle with when they t- inevitably, you know, right capture Aes Sedai is trying to figure out how to break those oaths because I it's basically two Terran working against each other right Mm -hmm. because they they swear the oaths on a Terran uh and then the 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 neck the collar is another Terran right so it's like an immovable force meets a uh
1: unstoppable object yeah
0: well I think I got that backwards, but yes, yes. Uh, so, it, and I don't remember how that gets figured out. I do know it's definitely of interest to the Shanchan, because the Shanchan view Aes Sedai and other power-wielding people kind of like we view horses. Right. So they're just like, oh, look at this interesting breed.
1: Um, But then, of course, uh, one of the interesting things I actually really liked the resolution of it is when our three girls break free, they discover that, oh, anyone who is actually able to wield this is actually someone who's capable of channeling, even if they just need to be taught how. And they kind of, you know, that was a really fun take because it was one of the first major subversions of an existing system that I get to see. Um, So I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. And and I think one of the things... That you're going to have to keep in mind when you read these series as a whole uh, is that the whole series takes place over three years. Um, And I think there are I mean, the whole events of the end of the world are cataclysmic, right? There's a lot of references to that at the end of the last age, right? That there was cataclysmic change. So things do change rapidly. But I feel like a criticism some people have of the whole is that some societies didn't change as rapidly as they would have liked. Uh, (laughs) It's like this is three years. If that, right? Like, uh, so um, the Shan Chan are a force to be reckoned with throughout this entire series. Uh, They are fascinating and horrifying. And like, when you sympathize with some of them, you like feel bad about yourself. Um, But it's inevitable because it's a book series, right? So... (laughs) yeah they, they kind of make you sometimes they even make you sympathize with bad guys and i mean like bad bad guys like the forsaken um like at some point you even you understand why land is doing what she's doing right you think she's evil you're like you're crazy but like it gives you like why is she this way like you're like oh because she's evil but you know uh robert Jordan's very good at humanizing i would say even though when you're like you're crazy you're you're mm-hmm. taking people and enslaving them. And that's a horrible thing. And you're horrible people for doing it and even thinking about it. But, uh, you know, it's their society. It's the way their society is. And it's uh, the Sean Chan. They're not going away. Don't. They're, they're, they're there forever.
1: <laughs> uh, so taking this back to because we were talking about characters and then we've gone on to themes uh, <laughs> and yes. stuff. Um, so the Sean Chan makes it reminds me of the first real fight that. Rand has as a swordmaster against a swordmaster. Um, where he,
0: remind me of what it is.
1: So there's a Sean Chan swordmaster who has the, uh, a heron marked blade, and he sees Rand, and so he assumes that he's... A swordmaster. A swordmaster. And he's disappointed because Rand is losing when they're fighting, and then Rand gets into the void and then just starts to... Destroy like, him. Yes. Starts to destroy him. Uh, but Rand is at the same time trying not to tap into the power, into the one afraid. power... Yeah. Right. Because he's like, so he's like, Rand is having this internal struggle while also overpowering this other guy. You know, because uh, every time he taps into the void, he also like it. The the one power right there. Um, but uh, that was really neat because it was like, oh, Rand is actually really good at this. <laughs> you know, well, it's not and- just the the bl- the blade that he has. Like he's had some training, but also presumably because of who he is, has inherited some just innate ability.
0: And that's actually something I really enjoy about The Wheel of Time is it gives us an actual logical reason for kind of the phenomenon of the Mary Sue, except in male form because they're guys, Rand, Matt, and Perrin, right? Uh, This whole concept of Severin, um, that the wheel is bending them to be what they need to be for the wheel's purposes. Uh. Right. And because of that, they there there's this whole idea, right, in the wheel of time that the wheel is like weaving this tapestry, for lack of a better word. And the wheel needs to get their threads from, let's say, the Shire esque two rivers to Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Uh and to do that, it has to go through some, you know, hoops and other people's uh threads get caught up with it, you know? And so right. you, like, see scenes where, like, Rand has gone through a village, and after that, like, everyone in the village gets married. Uh, like, he, he... His presence affects people. Um, and so... Uh, should he be as good at the sword as he is? Well, he was taught by a sword master, and Tam was, you know, teaching him stuff. And I actually... Really enjoy the scene where uh, Matt just like beats up a whole bunch of uh, young yeah. recruits, because uh, it's like you know farmers have to protect themselves and their families from. Well, you know,
1: and he uh, says too, it's like his dad was you know like always one at the at this thing, and his dad always just got really lucky on things, and now he's getting really lucky. And then they tell the story the uh, the was it the w- warders or the no the gu- the guard at the thing like after uh, Matt just beats both of the princes simultaneously. Um And we've, at this point, we have seen zero of Matt fighting, right? right? And right. he's, like, he's not fully recovered. He's not even half recovered. He's, like, about to pass out. And he still just beats both of the princes handily. And then the guard master tells us, and it's the first time we hear this story, he's, like, who was the greatest sword master, you know, of whatever, of the last age or something like that, and they all say his name, and they're like, and who was the the one person to beat him? It's like, that's right, it was a farmer from, uh, was it, did they say like a farmer from Man- Manetheran or something like that, but a I, farmer I don't with don't a remember.
0: staff? But it was definitely a farmer with a staff.
1: Yeah, it was a farmer with a staff, and, and it's like, well, they have him in ether and blood, and so presumably he's descendant of whoever that person is, or he's redoing the same part of the story, or anything like that. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, that is why he is as good at this. And I I agree with you, is like, the, the whole concept of the Taviran um, is just, yeah, they these are people who, they have the basic... Ingredients necessary, and then it's just like putting them into overdose. Like, what if everything goes right with these core ingredients? Right. You know,
0: and and you're gonna see that, you know, with Rand, Matt, Perrin, just like continuously. I would say, well, Rand, God bless him, Rand. Uh, he's the one that sometimes it doesn't seem like his Taverin works very well for him because he's the one who's getting the most attention in general, right? He's sometimes right. attracting bad attention because he is like the Messiah, right? Right? Uh, so, uh, but with the other two, you know, sometimes things just fall into their lap and they're just like, what? <laughs> and uh, it, it's really funny to see. Uh,
1: Especially Perrin.
0: I do wish, uh, and this is a criticism I have of the series, Egwene should be Tverin. Um And we won't talk about this much till you get to the end of the series, uh, until you've read the whole thing. And then you can tell me whether you agree with it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But I feel like it would make a lot more sense just with the whole story if she was.
1: So, um, one of the interesting things, just talking about her, is you have her, um, shoot, what's the princess's name? Elaine. Uh, Elaine. And so, like, the two of them are identified as being potentially stronger than any other Aes Sedai. And then you also have Nynaeve on top of them, who is okay. supposed to be way more powerful than any that they've, like, had in recent history.
0: But she has right? a block. so she. Can't but she
1: has a block. Um, which she can only use when she's angry, which just makes me annoyed with her more. Because <laughs> it's like... You have an anger problem to begin with, and now you're using it by you're making yourself angry it. more often. <laughs> it just like, stop it. Like, your anger is it, it, like, ah, it frustrates me so much. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so, so it's like you essentially have potentially three of the most powerful Aes Sedai, you know, in a long time.
0: Now, Uh, I think there's also a lot to be said that the reason why Egwene and Nynaeve are so powerful is because they have lived their lives in the presence of three Tverin. Right. Uh, And the wheel is weaving them to be what they need to be to support Rand particularly. Um, And we can definitely talk about that more at the end. (laughs) And (laughs)
1: Uh, using that logic, it could also be similar for Elaine because she is the queen's daughter and the, you know... Suppose I guess the heir because it's always a queen, yeah, right? It's always a queen, but Morgaine so... has
0: like no power. Her mother, mm. her mother has like a th- 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 what do they say, like a thimble of power, like barely enough to get training. But they always train oh, oh, the oh
1: power. Sorry, I, I thought I thought you were talking political power. Like no, what no, are you no.
0: Talking? I meant one yeah. power. Sorry, yeah, it's
1: yeah. So she had enough to have a little bit, but here she is. She's the first, you know. She preparing to become the first, uh, you know, uh, monarchy who openly, you know, uses the power and is, like, just flat out an Aes Sedai in yeah. who knows how long, you know? Um, well, and that's what their, the Aes Sedai's hopes are, right? So, The first it, Aes
0: Sedai queen, essentially, is what they want. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, which is, you know, fascinating, interesting. Also, lots and lots of, and I, I mentioned this to you before when I was texting you early on, um, there is a lot of inspiration in my mind that seems clearly drawn from Dune. Um, just in terms of the way the Aes Sedai are and the way that the uh Bene Gesserit, however you say that is, in in Dune. Like, obviously there's the the clear hood, like it's a sisterhood and all that stuff, but then also just the way that they I mean, it's not subtle. It's like, you know, you just go go through and just manipulate power uh power structures using the power that you have that nobody else does, and so on. Um that men can't have it, uh, so on and so forth. Um But this also what you were talking about as far as the three women potentially being Taviran, or two of them at least being Taviran, um, we mentioned the sexism thing and how generally the society is sexist against men. Right. But there's some really weird things, and I, I wonder if this is just things being overlooked by Robert Jordan. There are a lot of things where, that reflect our society's sexism Definitely. against women that don't make any sense in context of I, this world.
0: I think like, that's Robert Jordan's limitation of having been in this world
1: <laughs> right yeah and
0: uh, being in his own words a southern gentleman right from right. north carolina or someplace like that uh but that's definitely true like sometimes you're like this world should be different if this is a world that is sexist in the favor of women right when it comes to right like things. why
1: why do they constantly talk about well well no women don't fight like how many times are men surprised that women are fighting Right, it's really weird, you know. And it's of course then you have the the what's it called the blade masters, the people who look like Rand or vice versa, I guess. Uh, the ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. <laughs> so like you know they have female blade masters and the men are like I wouldn't fight a woman and they don't the, have like
0: female blade masters
1: or not female. What do they call them? They
0: don't use swords. That's a thing.
1: Oh, oh, they, they use uh Spears. what's it called? Spears. Yeah. All right. Not uh, what do they call them? What's the term that they use? Um,
0: uh, the maidens of the spear.
1: Yes, there you go. Maidens of the Spear. So they have their Whatever. Yes. Right. I just busted
0: out some old tongue.
1: (laughs) So they have all of them, though. Like, their society has a lot of people who fight, including women, who bind themselves apparently like Green Aja. They don't really do the one woman to, you know, one man thing. Um, (laughs) But, uh... That, but the, it, the
0: Green Aja don't actually have to be sleeping with all their warders.
1: No, no, they don't. It's just a thing that people always like. They're like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge whenever yeah. they mention the Green Aja, which gives you the impression that it's probably not as widespread as you think, but it's not super uncommon either, right. you know? Um, but no, to, to go to them, though, the the Aiel, as it's, as they say it in the audiobooks, but, like, their— I think
0: Aiel is right. I just— Ale.
1: read it yeah. for a long time without ever hearing it. <laughs> um, so That's the Aiel
0: is not always right, but
1: keep no, going. no, it's not. But uh, so the Aiel, like how surprised men are by the Aiel women fighting, right. just doesn't seem to fit in this world, or like given the Isildur. I, I,
0: I think the right. Aiel actually have one of the most uh, equitable societies <laughs> that we yeah, see. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'm just like. It's baffling to me uh that in a world where women are like it, Robert Jordan was limited by what he could imagine um, we all are right, and, and uh, I don't think he fully thought through the implications of a society where women are the most powerful. Um, which is to say that you know, I said I wouldn't have warders because if men are stronger physically, right, and you want a bodyguard sure right <laughs> uh that said uh yeah i won't say anything um uh, okay uh <laughs> well, I mean, it, it
1: would make sense and i think they've even alluded to like there are some female warders just not many i think maybe they've said that i don't know
0: right? i don't think there are any
1: at oh, well maybe not this then. point but um <laughs> I, I don't know i i can't remember if it's been alluded to or not or if i've just wondered about that but I feel
0: um, like it's, I feel like there are not any, and I feel like that because of things I know about later, but I don't know that for sure.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: so, yeah, definitely. Um, that said, I love the IEL, and you'll see way more of them in the fourth book, which I think is alluded to at the end of the third book.
1: I, I've seen nothing to give me any reason to do anything but love them so far. Yeah. Like, as far as individual groups of people go, clearly my favorite uh so far because it's like it's like given what i know of them they make sense whereas everybody else is like why are you contradicting yourself but um anyways so uh i guess we could talk about because you know we've talked about the teveran and that concept so we could talk about the other two some
0: matt can we talk about matt
1: we could talk about matt and how infuriating he is
0: he's my favorite character
1: <laughs> he is so infuriating, <laughs> he, and and oh my goodness, the part in the in the Dragon Reborn when suddenly Matt just gets super lucky and like his luck just keeps going and going. It's hysterical. Like going through that was really funny. Like I just kept laughing at how lucky he was getting and how he realized how lucky he was getting. He's like, "What is going on?" But man, he is an obstinate. Ugh, like, Have you
0: noticed that at the beginning of each chapter, there's a symbol, right?
1: Well, I'm listening to it, oh. so I don't get to see Oh, you're it.
0: listening. So if you're reading the book, uh, if you get to pick a book up, because I think you have them on ebook, right?
1: Uh, I do have a couple of them, yeah.
0: At the beginning of each chapter, there's a symbol. And for example, some Rand chapters have the dragon reborn symbol, right? They're, they're supposed to be kind of telling of what the chapter is about and who the character is. Example, Perrin's steady symbol throughout the entire series is like a hammer or a wolf. Makes sense. Right. Uh right. so Matt's symbol is consistently a set of dice. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Which makes a lot of
1: sense. Uh, um, Matt's
0: luck is one of my favorite things ever. Um it, there are many reasons why I love Matt. And and I feel like that run that part of Dragon Reborn is you getting your first taste of the Matt I Know and Love. But the Matt I Know and Love won't truly come to be till after the fourth book. Uh so patience uh but uh matt is hysterical um but in the first three books he's frustrating and i get that like whenever i reread the first book i'm like people are, people are gonna judge me when i say my favorite character is matt and they read these books everyone does like everyone who starts reading on my recommendation after they read the first book they're like matt is your favorite character what's wrong with you um because in the first book right he's sick very dark one like sick right Uh, and so that is, uh, very disconcerting because he is like a horrible person, like not even just like he was like that annoying kid in your Sunday school class or, you know, middle school class in the beginning of the book that he is the kid who's going to release the badger and steal the pie. Like we all know that kid, right? Yeah. But after he gets the dagger, he's like a horrible person, which is unfortunate, but that's what gives us the groundwork for him to be the wonderful person I love. So... (laughs) Uh, well, he's yeah. got a lot of
1: work set out for him because the luck was entertaining, but it didn't really make me like him more. Yeah. So I, I just, it was just like two separate things. I was like, all right, this is entertaining. At least he's not being super annoying right now, but he's not really showing strength of character either. Um, he starts to a little bit. Like there's the, the little thing where he like gives some silver to a family and stuff like that because he's got tons of it, but. Uh, I I would say the
0: difference for me between Perrin and Matt when it comes to my affection for them is that one of the reasons why we read novels, presumably, is to see characters grow and change and to become better people, right? And Matt starts at such a low place (laughs) that the only place he has to go is up. Where I feel like Perrin is the most flavorless, unchanging character in the whole series. Uh, and I, and while I would be friends with him, if you, if you were like, pick a character who you would hang out with outside the story, I'd be like Perrin. But I hate <laughs> reading about him because he never changes. He never, like, he never grows. He's just always Perrin. And Matt is always someone different. Like in each book, he has learned something. Not always the lesson you want him to learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he has changed he's a he's a new man you know and rand has progression too i don't always agree with rand's progression but he is like clearly going somewhere right to be the savior of this world uh and my struggle with perrin uh and i and i think you probably see that even in these three books right where, where is perrin going at the end of the dragon well,
1: and that is like totally a thing that i get but i But I really like, I mean, I texted you at one point. It was like, the only characters I like are Perrin and Loyal. And you were like, that is the most Hufflepuff thing you could say. Yes, Uh,
0: yes it is. It is literally uh, the most, they are the two most Hufflepuff characters in the whole series. (laughs) Uh, Throw Min in there and you have the full Hufflepuff house.
1: And so far I do like Min as well. Although she gets a little bit frustrated. She got a little bit frustrating at times, but I think I've kind of settled into her too. But that said... I'm not going to get tired of loyal Perrin. I might be like, okay, their parts aren't exciting. But I'm going to like the fact that they seem sensible. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm going to appreciate that, especially when I need the air to breathe after following other characters. So how do
0: you feel about Fael? <laughs> uh,
1: Which, is she the, the, what, the falcon? Yes. Eh. That, <laughs> she's a little, eh i i i mean i've only seen her a little bit and i mm, I, I don't i i have no strong positive feelings um <laughs> for her i i just feel like she's mucking up perrin's works so yeah. um yeah we'll uh see. but
0: uh yeah back to matt i would say his shining moments in these series are when he beats up Galad and gawain uh and yes, I do have a dog named after Gallant.
1: Now that said, oh my goodness, that was a really stupid decision for him to chat. Like, he is such a hothead. It's like, you have yeah, no reason to think you could beat these two people. You don't know what they're capable of. You don't know, frankly, what you're capable of right now. You're in this weird health situation. And he just like takes it without knowing what his luck is doing yet, right? Because he yeah. finds out about that later. It's like... I think that's the big thing. Is Matt is stupid in these books? Like, forget the like influence of the, of the of the negative thing. Like, he is unintelligent in these books. I'm not saying he doesn't like wisen up, but it's not just the like annoying thing. like he makes bad decisions that are just like stupid is the best word. Like, they are not smart. Like, they are the opposite of smart decisions over I'm not and over. Gonna say
0: like... he doesn't make bad decisions in these books. <laughs> uh, in these
1: three. Yeah, I'm talking about these three. It's all the context I have. And
0: even <laughs> even in the fourth book. <laughs> but Matt's bad decisions in the early books, like I feel like, and, and I'll want your opinion on this at the end. Yeah. But he is a Taveran, and I feel like the Wheel of Time forced him to make these bad decisions somewhat.
1: Some of them, like, are are so blowing the horn. Why the hell did everybody just stand by and watch that happen? Like he is not a sensible person to have blown the horn, right? Wow. <laughs> I I understand the wheel makes that happen and he's the one who's supposed to do it because it strengthens things over it being Rand doing it. Like I can see all the ways that's convenient for us, right? But, but, and I'm willing to buy it in the context of this, again, like the underlying principle of this book, of this series makes me not object to it as much as I would in other books where I'm like, what is this author doing, right? Like I get it. But it was still really stupid of him. <laughs> like, it's like, why would you be the one to blow this instead of like a number of other people who were there? You I think know? the really
0: interesting thing about that and why the wheel forced that to happen is I think uh, it's misdirection. <laughs> uh, and we, uh, for Matt's purpose, because I, I, I feel like because of that, because they immediately almost go to Tarvalin after that, right? Right. Uh, that everyone's like, oh. That's why Matt's Tarverin, this is his whole purpose in life, is to blow the horn. And I'm not saying that that's not one of Matt's critical roles, right? But it, but it doesn't, it, like, but
1: that wouldn't make sense because I, I feel they like I to
0: Sedai after that box him into this one box. They're like, this is your role at the end days. Boom. Blow over the horn. That's all you have to do. Which,
1: the impression I get is he's the descendant of the king of Monethrin and, you know, because they keep talking about the Monethrin, blood is strong in him, and so on and so forth, and some, I don't know, some political thingy or other, but even if that's not true, like, clearly the reason for him blowing the horn was not just so that he could be the person to blow the horn. It was so that someone significant other than Rand could do it so that you could distribute where power comes from and so on, because potentially concentrating everything in Rand is, like, one breaking point, whereas if you have multiple people, there's, like, all kinds of benefits that come from it. We really need Um, to talk about
0: this later, because I can't say anything more now i know you can
1: <laughs> I, it's really great because i'm in this position where i can say whatever i want i'm like you was
0: know, one point where i'm literally like not even making like usually when we're talking i'm like staring at the screen right and I'm, just, <laughs> and I'm just but i had to like stare off to the side like if you were here i could not make eye contact with you I'm
1: before,
0: <laughs> uh yeah uh, <laughs> all right so yeah Summary of Matt's character in these early books is he's a terrible person who makes bad decisions. And I think that's fair. I think that is a fair summary. Um, But I will say something that I think is very apparent in this early three books is that Matt is Rand's best friend.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: And uh, for good or for ill. Uh, for
1: good and for ill, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, whereas Perrin, I feel like, is sometimes more of a third wheel when it comes to Rand and Matt. Uh, but Perrin has many other roles. So, let's talk about Perrin. Everyone. Oh, okay, a wait, wait.
1: Before we move over, just really funny thing where these characters over and over and over, like Matt and uh, I, I think it's Matt and, and Rand. Over and over, they're like, I wish Perrin were here. He knows how to talk to women. And then over and over and over, Perrin is like, I wish Matt and Rand were here. They know how to talk to – like, it's hysterical.
0: Yeah, like, I feel they, like – They're all thinking of, about each other. A lot yeah. of people actually complain about that, but I feel like that's actually realistic to 18-year-old <sighs> boys. Where they totally. think that, like, oh, I wish my friend was here. He knows how to talk to girls. And their friend is like, I have no idea how to talk to girls.
1: You know, oh, I think it's hysterical <laughs> and totally realistic. Like in my mind is, you know, they just don't realize that none of them know what they're doing. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and
0: it's 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 so great too. Uh, yeah, especially. Yeah. OK, uh, so Perrin. Um, Perrin is like a blacksmith apprentice. Yes. Uh, his whole family gets murderized in the opening um, battle, uh,
1: right.
0: which uh, Rands doesn't. Right. Tam is hurt, but still alive. Uh, as far as we know, I'm pretty sure we know that Matt's family is alive.
1: Yeah, uh, we even get the impression that, frankly, Tam would have gone with him if he were healthy.
0: Right. Right. But he wasn't. Like, there's, right.
1: But he wasn't, so he had to stay to be healed. But like, we get the impression that he probably would have come and probably would have been helpful as a swordmaster. Okay. <laughs> you know. Once
0: again, I, I maybe not once again, but we, we've had this conversation before. If you ever have to pick up the child savior of the universe, whether that be Rand AlThor. Or Anakin Skywalker, you bring their freaking parents with you, okay? <laughs> I feel like so many problems in Star Wars and Wheel of Time would be like diverted if it was just like you know who Ma- you know who Rand trusts, Tam. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Why don't Tam and Moraine talk it out, and then Tam go back and relay to Rand what I mean, he should do? Fr-
1: frankly, by now they could, like, especially when you find out that at um, when they make it to. Uh, What's the city called? Um, Tyr? Tarvalin. Uh, Tarvalin, uh, Tar when they find out that Rand's dad had been there yeah. and they turned him away, he's like, Or you could have kept him there yep. until they came into contact and you could be like, Hey, why don't you join us on this, oh this course? If,
0: if the Dragon Reborn's father showed up at my doorstep. Now, once again, Tarvalen didn't really understand. Right. right. Uh, if, they, if he showed up on my doorstep I'd be like why don't you come in here and let me convince you to my side in all of these things so that you can convince your son <laughs> like that that would be the political move to make right yeah, but once it again, really the would. the Aes Sedai are kind of at this point in denial uh, well and- again,
1: they don't think things like no matter how wise they think they are they're just really not like they're not wise they're knowledgeable kind of compared to other people but I, I never get the impression that the Aes I are actually wise like there not at all. There are a couple who are wise sometimes, but there are like none who just give me the impression that like yeah, in general, I should listen to what you say because you you think things through well, you know. Like there's like okay, I should listen to what you say because you have reason to know this thing that I don't. But they just don't get across that they actually think that. Which I guess is not a, val- a thing that's valued in this society because nobody seems to do it. Like Loyal is constantly annoyed with how little humans seem to think things through and i'm like on board with that criticism because it's totally valid as a blanket statement to humanity in this world
0: <laughs> but I think it might be more uh, of a blanket statement to humanity than we'd like to admit sometimes but
1: oh no I, I mean it's true in general but i feel like i know more more exceptions in in real life than i have seen in this story in terms of percentages yeah <laughs> but, there, uh,
0: there's one i said i want to talk about that i can't so okay. uh <laughs> parent
1: Yes, uh, How do you feel I love him?
0: him. Other than you love
1: him, You're a uh, of I love him. Though. He's the closest character to me in the in the book. I feel like because most of the time I'm like, yeah, I get this. Yes, I want to do what's right by other people. Yes, I'm frustrated that this person won't tell me tell me things. Yeah, I really wish that I didn't have this weird wolf power thing. I just want to be a person. Like I get it. I'm with you, Perrin. Maybe you know. Maybe don't do this one. Like every once in a while, he objects to. Like he'll withhold information from Moraine because you know he's a teenager and he's protesting against authority and whatnot. <laughs> but like, but whatever. Like, it's not that bad. And he comes around and then tells her as soon as it becomes, he's like, "Oh, okay, maybe this is relevant after all." Um. Uh, I really like that he freed the random uh, ail warrior that was captured oh, in a. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. It. It's the. The series is not subtle about the fact that, hey, this person's going to come back into the story later. Yeah. Like, And I appreciate that it's not subtle about it. Um, yeah. I just really like Perrin as kind of, I don't know, the nice, comfortable rock that other people can kind of rely on, even if they don't realize that he's super reliable and nobody really, ge- nobody really gives him that credit. Um, but yeah, he just does it because that's the way he is.
0: Yeah. There, there's some great... I do appreciate because at, all of the taveran inevitably have like a coterie that kind of forms around them, whether they like it or not. Uh, right. and there are some great people who end up in parents that, uh, I like, you're like, wow, that, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like if they weren't Taverin, <laughs> why is this person here? Uh, but you know, in, in context, it makes perfect sense. And you're just like. It's it's amazing the different groups that develop around people, and I feel like in many ways Perrin gets one of the more interesting groups uh, because there's a lot of reasons why people are attracted to him not not like sexually attracted, you know what I mean? Uh, Attracted uh, to his presence, yeah. And I think you know I I think Perrin almost exists sometimes to be the stability the wheel of time needs to counteract uh, Rand. Whereas I, I, because not that Rand is a force of chaos, because I feel like Matt. That's Matt more. But Matt's not chaos. Matt's luck works in a way that benefits the wheel, right? Whether he realizes it or not. The wheel is using Matt's nature to to balance the scales. Uh, But I feel like Rand can be such a force of destruction sometimes, not intentionally, um, just by his presence, because he's so powerful and what people want from him, right? Like his existence tears the world apart. Right.
1: I mean, you've uh, already had a couple of times where Perrin is the only one who can get Rand to calm down. Right. You know?
0: Uh, and, and so it, it's interesting to think about sometimes that these are the three Tavera and the Wheel chose. Right. And, and why did the Wheel choose them? And how do they, they complement and counteract each other in a way that works towards the Wheel's purpose, which is its continuation? Because what does the Dark One want, right? The destruction of the Wheel of Time. The Dark One wants the end of the world, literally. The end of time. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's fascinating.
1: Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of him, but like you, I mean, it's already clear. I have less to say about him than I do the yeah. others because there's just not as much going on with him, which is fine by me <laughs> because so much of what I have to say about the others is frustrations. I mean, I really <laughs> so, love the
0: whole wolf brother thing. Like if I had to I have a too. power, that's a kind of great power. You know, it's to be cool able to talk to wolves, be one with the wolves. Um, Yeah. Uh, there's some great moments that come with that later um, and then of course uh, I think it's early we're introduced to Elias and um, then yes. there's that other wolf brother who's like completely lost himself right yep. in the wolf. Yeah. And, and that is like parents struggle because he wants to be a human <laughs> and but he wants this. he you know you meet a wolf and you want to hang out with a wolf because who wouldn't uh, so
1: uh, well, and they also they're very helpful like you can you can track trollocs with them and you can help them you can have them fight alongside you so that all your people don't die and you know it's a it's pretty great um yeah it's Uh, it's a neat power and it's it's also kind of that disparity of you don't want to lose yourself but also he doesn't even want to be gone as far as Elias right like he wants to be part of human society he doesn't want to like leave it like Elias has so
0: so speaking of Perrin and Elias and uh, a little bit eggy um what do you think about the Tinkers?
1: I don't, I don't feel like I've seen enough of them. They just, I mean, they, they remind me of things in other stories where they're just kind of like random roving packs of people. Pacifists. Uh, yeah. Like, like they're, they're pacifists, but sometimes a little bit overly dogmatic about it. Yeah. Um. And in ways that it could be like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of a pacifist too. I don't really want to fight anybody, but you know, there's the in practice. C- Cause if you think about it, like Perrin doesn't want to hurt anybody. Right? right. But he will, if he has to. And they, you know, we've had the tinkers talk. Uh, I can't remember if it's one or a couple of them have already said, they're like, well, they're hurting themselves by hurting me. But you know, I will weep for the pain that they're doing to themselves as they hurt me, and just let it happen or something. I'm like, I, this is a really weird philosophy to have.
0: Yeah. So, did um, you meet Aram? A R A M. He's Tinker. I mean, I think he was in the camp, so he hasn't come back. Yeah, yet. I think so.
1: Uh, I think we've only met. was he the? I he's mean, like I guess a, he would have been. He's like
0: around Perrin's age.
1: Maybe is he I the one he had who a crush danced on with? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he danced with Egwene. So yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, so I guess slight spoiler, but you know, once again, the wheel time he comes is heavy handed, he comes back. Uh, so I'll, I'll look forward to your thoughts on that later. Uh, and yes, after the, I mean, book. again,
1: <laughs> I almost assume at this point that anybody who has like not a speaking part, but you get their name and a, an actual description of them is going to come back at some point. Cause it's I, I like, think that's
0: fair. it's a 14 <laughs> book series.
1: Yeah, so, because any other time, they've just been, like, extras, right? Right. But then they're, like, given a name, and, you know, if they're not, if they don't explicitly do something significant at the time... Then it's like, okay, well, why do I have this person's name and an actual description of them in my head now? So <laughs> you know, it
0: was speaking of that. That's kind of related. It's related to the Wheel of Time. There end up being a whole lot of characters, right? And one of the things the Wheel of Time does really well is in the first book, it grounds mm-hmm. you into what is essentially a handful of characters. It, it seems like a lot when you start, right? Because you have three boys, uh, you have at least two of the girls, you have Moraine, you have Lan, and you have their, like, you know, people. Uh, but basically, your story, there's, like, two stories, right? There's, like, Rand and Matt and Egwene and Perrin, right, through the first book. Right. And, um, and Nynaeve doing what Nynaeve does. Um, but uh, the, the, their stories slowly spread, spread out, and they get these, like, coteries, uh, and there's so many names. And uh, when uh, I, I think it was when the 10th book came out, and I read it and I hadn't reread the series cause I was just like, you know, that's an effort, right? To reread reread nine, like 600 to a thousand page books. And I'm just reading it and there's all of these names and I'm like, I have no idea who any of these people are, uh, just because like, I haven't read these books in so long and I only remember the big characters and it's just all of these names. Um, but when you read it, it like you're doing, which will pro- probably be fairly continuous, um, you should be fine, because when I reread yeah. it, I was like, oh, of course I know who all these people are. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, I need like a, a a Wikipedia. Thankfully, there are Wikipedias now, but don't look at it because spoilers.
1: Yeah, I, I won't. Um, I, I'm actually really looking forward to re-listening to myself as the series goes on. <laughs> be like, what did I think was going to happen? Oh, I got that right. And I got that completely wrong. Or, oh, I got nothing right. Or, <laughs> you know, like. So, uh, you know,
0: it's kind of obvious. And this goes back to what you think everyone's destiny is, right? It, obviously, right. Rand is the dragon reborn. <laughs> right. Uh, but I would be interested to know who you think Matt and Perrin are going to. Like, if everything's working towards this last battle, this Tarman-Gaden, right? Right. What, what do you think, not necessarily their role, because you may not even know all the roles optional. But what do you think they right now bring to the table, Matt and Perrin?
1: Um, that's a good question. I feel like, um, I feel like, cause this is supposed to be one of the hopes is that this can be the last, last battle, right? Like, which I don't know if that actually is a possibility, I don't but like, that's how, yeah. I, I don't think it's a possibility, but, but some of them talk about it. I, I think like, can everyone we break always
0: cycle? has to have that idea, right? It's like World War I being the war to end all wars.
1: Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but both like the dark one or excuse me, Balzaman, who, has up to now given the impression that he's the Dark One, and Rand have talked about, like, you know, the Dark One wanting to end it for good, and Rand saying he wants to end it for good, you know, which it yeah. just doesn't feel like it's going to work out either way. Um, <laughs> it feels like Rand's going to just keep winning, like, just enough to make sure the fight keeps going. Or, excuse me, the, you know, whoever, the dragon will. But, um, anyways, I mean, it feels like they play the roles of getting different powers on the side of the dragon um, because it is, I guess, presumably possible for the dragon to win and it's possible for him to win to different degrees. Like, you know, the apparently what happened last time around was bad, right? Because they end up losing, like, access to half of the power. Right. Right? So that's, like, maybe a lesser way to win than other ways have been in the past. So it feels like Perrin is maybe representing and maybe this is a little bit heavy-handed in interpretation for me, but, like, bringing nature to his side, mm. essentially. Um, like, aspects that are not political powers, um, necessarily. Those who would not... Because he seems to be the person who... Those who are not part of larger <laughs> political groups seem to align more to Perrin than anybody else. Um, you know, you have the a stronger affinity, potentially, for the Tinkers, a, a stronger affinity to... Um, I don't know. Just obviously the wolves, but just like random people seem to like Perrin more than than the other, uh, than the others. Matt, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like this whole blood, Monethran bloodline has to like have a major part with him. So I don't know if it's like the restoration of a kingdom uh, or something. But then that is aligned with the dragon, or allied with the dragon rather. Um, the women, it feels like that is a way to change how the Aes Sedai in general would address the dragon um, versus without their their roles uh, being a part. Um, potentially also a way to actually use the power, like, both sides of the the one power together, instead of the way that it seems like the Aes Sedai look at it, which is, hey, the dragon needs to go do his thing, and then we're going to do our thing, which is includes getting rid of the dragon. Um... I don't know. So I, I, I guess it's just like each of these people feels like it has to do with bringing a different faction in and changing what their default behavior would be. Uh, but that's about what I got so far. <laughs> I don't really have anything more solid. Than it's that.
0: amazing what you got right and amazing what you got horribly wrong. Uh, OK, so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, well, I'm glad to know both are awkward. there. Uh, both are definitely <laughs> there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. I can't say anything. Uh, so, <laughs> why, why don't we talk about the girls? Because we haven't really talked about them directly. Um, right. So, so, pick a female. Uh, uh,
1: I'll talk about Elaine because I have the least to say about her. Okay. Um, uh, I generally, I guess, I like her more than the others because she's a little bit less stubborn and strong willed than uh, the others.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just choked a little and died. <laughs> you- no,
1: know you did. <laughs> Um, but also she's less exciting a character. Um, I, I like that I both like, and don't like how attracted so many of the characters are to Rand, uh, female characters. Yeah. Like it's, it's both interesting because it's like, okay, maybe this is just a way that the, the wheel is, you know, making sure that they stay connected to him. But also it's like, do we really need, what is it? Three right now? Women who are like head over heels for him. I really don't feel like we do. Uh, Elaine, Min, and... uh, And... um, Egwene. Okay. So, as of right now, those are the three. Um, Well, and then, of course, Lanvir, but, you know.
0: Wow. She doesn't doesn't
1: count. (laughs) (laughs) No, she doesn't count. So, like, those are the three we have. And they've, like, openly talked with each other, essentially, about their affection for him. You know? Um... I would say it would make make for a really interesting thing for the first Aes Sedai Queen to uh, get with the dragon. feel like uh, that probably shouldn't be on the table, but um, but that's given what we know, and I already talked about how I feel like all the knowledge we have is should probably be flawed in some way. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Elaine. I find it interesting that I suppose it's because of the wheel that she's decided that uh, that they decided, I don't know, it has been decided that she should have so much power while also being queen, or potentially queen. Um, and uh, her relationships with her brothers are really interesting. I don't know almost anything about them yet, other than she really, really likes one and really, really dislikes the other. Um, I, yeah,
0: I, I love the Treycanned boys. Um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I, I have a dog named Gallad. Um, uh, is, is he the one
1: that she doesn't like? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. I, 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 I thought so.
0: Galad and I have uh you know, when we were doing that three characters thing, when I went back and forth on choosing a Wheel of Time character, I really almost chose Gallad. Uh that as the character I identify with the most. <laughs> uh but um Gawain or Gawain or however you want to say his name, obviously their names are directly all of them related to um the the Tracan family to uh King Arthur. The Knights
1: of the Round Table. Uh, So,
0: Galad is Galahad, which you see in his personality, right?
1: Absolutely. They say he's the one who will do the right thing, what is it, regardless of... The cost. ...its impact on (laughs) others, regardless of the cost, which is like, well, I mean, I understand the problem, but the way you say that, it's really hard for me to get on board with your criticism. Right, right, right.
0: Right. (laughs) I I mean, he's basically the person who follows the... He's lawful good, right? And sometimes that means he follows the rules to the point of absurdity. Um, which which is really interesting to see play out. And there's a lot of interesting things about Galad that I wish, you know, one one of the things about Wheel of Times is there is loose ends at the end. And I'm not saying Galad is a loose end. Every character has their loose ends. There are some loose ends about Galad that I wish had gotten more tied up. Uh,
1: I tend to hold loose ends way less against fiction than other people do because life has loose ends. Right. And and that's that's
0: kind of where they were going, that life has loose ends, so Wheel of Time has loose ends. Um, Gawain, of course, is the hot-headed one. Uh, you, uh, the you know he's Gawain, right? He he's the right. the valiant and true and gonna go beat up whatever. Um, that said, neither of them are perfect analogs for their uh Knights of the Round Table um court court y- person um, to their knight, but, yeah. But I I think they're they're great characters. Uh, people have a love. Uh, there are some characters people hate in the wheel of time and i always think it's fascinating because i didn't know until i started you know perusing the internet and different like wheel of time rereads which characters people hate and um uh the the trehkand brothers sit in that nexus of like uh characters people love to hate sometimes uh as do mm. any of the girls <laughs> um which i find sad cuz i really uh, while egwene has her Moments. I really don't think Egwene is any different from Hermione. Uh, no, she's
1: not. Like she gets annoying sometimes, but it's not like I don't. She's not especially bad. Nynaeve, I I understand that. Like I'm hopeful and c- relatively confident that she'll have a you know she'll come around. But like I feel like she she really irritates me. But I think in ways she's supposed to really irritate me.
0: Well, I think right? the thing that it is about Nynaeve, and uh, you can we can argue about this when you get to the end of the series is that she is probably the most sincere of the female characters uh is she angry all the time yes but she's not <laughs> lying to you right she's actually mad at you uh and she's not gonna she's hold her
1: wrong a lot of the time yes, <laughs>
0: is she wrong? but she's she's not she's not subtle Right? Whereas yeah. Moraine and sometimes, like, Egwene, you know, you get it early. She's trying to become like Moraine, right? Like, right. she wants to become a great woman one day. So, you know, she starts trying to play games like Moraine very early in the series, like in book one. Um, right. Nynaeve doesn't play games. Nynaeve is like, hey, Leanne, I'm in love with you. Deal yeah. with it. You know? And I think uh, there's a lot to be said Speaking here.
1: of, I feel like it's super not subtle that Lan is gonna end up with her after he's with whatever green person that he goes to next. Like, I just feel like, yeah, okay, that's that's just gotta be a thing. I always
0: forget how fast Lan and Nineve get together until I reread the Eye of the World, and then I'm like, wow, it's like chapter ten. You know, it's like early.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, this is the first time they talk, but like, I mean, as as a warder. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like, because we already have the whole thing where Lan and Moraine are, like, not happy, or, excuse me, Lan's not happy with Moraine because she, she's like, when I die, and he's like, you're not going to die. I was like, well, yeah, she is.
0: Um, but, <laughs> Heavy-handed foreshadowing. Uh, yeah.
1: uh, and then, like, you know, she's setting to a green ostensibly because she's read the tea leaves and... Maybe I'm attributing too much wisdom to her, but, like, maybe she wants him to go to Nynaeve later, and it's easier to, for her, him to separate from a green who has multiple warders or has the option, like, they're much well, more open and free. Only an like, Aes
0: Sedai can have a warder, right? And Nynaeve right. is not an Aes Sedai. Yet. Yet, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean,
1: she's got her ring and all that already. She's just not there yet. Yeah, so, so they're
0: already students, Right.
1: Yeah, they're already students. They already had the thing where they were taken by the. Remember, because we already talked about the fact that they uh, fought the the Shanshen, They yeah, were I already taken. If
0: that happened before. Or after.
1: Uh, yeah, that that went after. They were taken by the Black Aja uh, when people didn't the they didn't realize the 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 Red Aja who was a Black Aja. And I'm like, honestly, you should probably treat all of the Red Aja as if they're Black Aja because they might as well be at this. Po- at this point, with what I've seen, like they might they're even the ones who aren't like they're basically barely better than like from what i've seen so far and it's like even if they're you know not actually for the dark i
0: will say that the red aja under robert jordan suffers the same problem that slytherin suffers under jk rowling which is a failure to humanize sometimes that group um right like every we've talked about this before Everyone in a right. Slytherin house is evil, right? You know, uh, which is not the way it would be. Um, I'm a Slytherin. Lin-Manuel Miranda said on Twitter the other day,
1: he is a Slytherin. Uh, I thought you, well, you're a Ravenclaw first.
0: Well, no. So the thing is, is that I, if I had been sorted at 11, I would have been a Slytherin.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Because at 11, I had one desire in life, to take over the world.
1: I actually uh, don't know at 11 if I would have been... Because I'm totally a Hufflepuff now, but I might have been a Ravenclaw at 11. I don't know. So
0: I've definitely mellowed into a Ravenclaw. But in the middle school and high school, I I was uh, ambitious. <laughs> uh, so uh, one good thing uh, about this story changes hands at one point, right? Robert Jordan right. does. And uh, Brandon Sanderson actually, uh, he doesn't create a character. But there are certain characters that you're like, these are Brandon Sanders characters, right? Like he...
1: he, he... Flesh them out a little bit, he maybe? He
0: them out. And one of them is a Red Aja Aes Sedai. And you kind of get, like, the perspective of someone who, like, this is actually the Aja they chose, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and and they're not uh, secretly Black Aja. <laughs> so you're like, oh, this is why people become Red Aja. Oh, this is what a Red Aja person thinks, you know? But I feel like definitely early in these books, it's like, oh, of course the Red Aja person's Black Aja
1: obviously right and then that's the i guess it's one of those things too where like again i i said earlier where there are multiple interpretations and you know and it's like i'm willing to give him kind of the credit uh on a lot of the stuff it's like okay look this is on purpose their society is weird messed up because of these things this is why there are so many common flaws i mean there are times where even in our world in different societies you go around the world certain character flaws will be much more common in one society than another because of the way the society itself values certain things let me tell you about
0: arrogance and pride in America wait
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly right like and and so and there's like duplicity in some you know in some cultures and and so on and so forth like these are that's a thing and so I'm like willing to give him that and so I'm like hopeful that it's like okay maybe it's just of what I've seen so far right like it's this okay we're early, I'm still adjusting to the world, there's so much more content to come. He doesn't have to lay out all the subtlety early, right? Um, but then, you know, some things I was like, man, there's none of it with the red so far. Yeah. It's just, uh ugh.
0: So I really like Nynaeve and Egwene both. Uh, I, I know Nynaeve is frustrating, uh, but once again, I really appreciate that sincerity she imparts, uh, which you know, a lot of times when people use the word sincerity, they almost mean like a niceness, but no, it's the, it's the truth, right? Like, right. Truthfulness. The the truthfulness to what she's feeling. She is not duplicitous. (laughs) Like, my going to tell you like it is. She doesn't hold back. Um, and, uh, you know, does she do that in a way that's way too confrontational sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: But there's also the thing with, you can be sincere. And this is, again, this is where like, hey, you can channel that, but be healthier. By maybe saying, like, hey, don't stop telling people how it is, but maybe think to yourself, should I think this? Right, <laughs> you know, but, but
0: I but I think Nynaeve, even even in this early, you know, where she's an accepted, um, it's it, she's just completely different from the other eyes Sedai, right? Like and oh, she, yeah. she is not gonna be Well she con- hates them. Right. She is she's- not gonna be conformed to their system. Right. Whereas Egwene is such a Hermione type character, right? Like Hermione doesn't go against the rules, <laughs> you know, no. like like Hermione wants to impress Professor McGonagall and Professor Dumbledore and, you know, be their number one student. And of course, all of these characters grow beyond what I'm describing. But this is in the first three books, right? right. Um, Egwene is that she wants to become the perfect textbook Aes Sedai. Right. She at this point would not look at the system and be like, this system needs to be changed. And I think it's clear to us as outsiders, because we're like, you need to be honest with Rand, right? Right. That the system needs to change. And so uh, of course both characters grow, especially from their experience as uh Aguin especially, um, she never like the Sean Chan thing, becoming a slave. Yeah. <laughs> is uh a traumatizing experience. Um, yeah. And, and I think that kind of, uh,
1: I, I mean, she has that dream in her, uh, in the thing where she becomes an accepted, where it shows you, I guess, possible futures or whatever, because, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. And she has the dream where she is the, uh, what what's the title? The mother, the, the... Amarillian seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, where, or I guess in the audiobook they said Amarillian seat, but whatever the, she, she is that, she's that one. And then somehow in this, in this version, she did not actually say the oaths, so she's also free to use her power how she sees fit, um, which is just a, like a weird thing to have. But hey, I mean, who knows, right? Like, I, it did occur to me, it's like, well, they've known that this might be important, maybe they'll just skip that and argue that that's the point, and that's a fun thing to see. Um, but one of the things, going to these two girls specifically, is like, Nynaeve, her big thing is, she is right to question their power structures but she does exactly the same thing whenever somebody speaks up to her oh yeah right and it's just like it in fact in a lot of ways she does it worse than they do and it's just like uh how do you not see this about yourself yeah. you know yeah um
0: but you know Nineve and Egwene serve very um all the characters right serve very particular purposes in absolutely. the last battle uh so uh what do you think how will Nineve and Egwene? that they're not taverns, right? So obviously it's going to be in some sort of uh, slightly different role than one of the three guys, right? Uh, right? What what do you foresee for them?
1: So there was one thing and it's only once that I saw it. Um, I can't remember which city it was, but there was something where there was like a giant structure that had been unearthed from the previous age or from a previous age, if not just the previous one. It was a giant thing that was built using both sides of the power that could only be used by both sides of the power, I think. Like, um, one of the giant tool thingies, I don't, it was like a statue or whatever. Yeah, like a
0: Seren or a Terran I forget. Yeah. What.
1: But it was like huge, and right? Like, like they took. Like, like talk, a
0: person. Yeah. Like it's shaped like a person.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so they talked about that, and that was the first time we heard about the possibility of them using two both sides together. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like would be the most natural fit for Egwene, just in terms of her and Rand growing up together and all that. Um, but then at the same time, we actually don't know how much power Rand has, because at this point, the only time we've had, it, they've heard it, um, I think they've referenced how, uh, is it, is, it's not just Arthur Hawkwing, there was somebody else, was there somebody else who had significant power in the, like a, in the, his prior? Well, Arthur uh, Hawkwing
0: did not have access to the one power.
1: Right, who was, who was the, was it, I'm trying to think, there, there was somebody in either a previous age. A false where, dragon? no. No no no. It might be Ar- Ardor Hawkwing, but were, were there people who rose up man, this is it's already tough to because there are all kinds of things where they, they drop little bits and pieces of like prior lore that I can't quite piece together. Right.
0: And it's um, gonna take a while and you may never there are some stuff we never are able to piece together.
1: But uh but they mention after a while and it might just be Ardor Hawkwing, like he had his whole kingdom thing and then when he fell, there was infighting that tore it apart, right?
0: I do think that was Arter Hawkwing, yes. Okay.
1: Um, but they did mention someone in a previous age who did have access to the one power where Rand is like the first person to, to exceed them in some way. I don't, I really don't remember. Uh, It's really frustrating, but, but we don't actually, I mean, it's not like the I said, I can measure his power. right? Right. And, but we know it's significant. So like, and he's completely untrained and he's just kind of using it instinctively. What would that, who, if anybody Like, I don't know, like, who would be his analog on the female side. Like, does Nynaeve have to serve that that analog? Do they need a female who's as powerful as the dragon? Um, Because I could see that being a thing. Um, So, I I mean, really, I just don't have enough of an inkling. I don't know enough about the bits and pieces of the prophecy or the, you know, of the legend about how this whole thing works to figure out what roles they might fill.
0: Well, I I don't think Uh, there's enough of the prophecy to say anything beyond the dragon reborn. Uh, So that was always an interesting thing is, you know, as you read, like, uh, there was one thing in particular, that like, uh, even when I got to the last book, and they made some choice, like, uh, someone chose something. And I was like, No, you can't choose that person. That's not their role in the last battle. Like, like, it's clearly this other person's role, you know? Uh, (laughs) And like, uh, of course, my prediction was correct. And, you know, there were tables (laughs) turned. Uh, But, you know, I As you go on, uh, it'll be interesting to see because some of the things you're saying are correct and obviously not – you don't know specifics, right? Right. Um, And some of the things you're saying are wrong. Uh, And sometimes you're predicting needs but attributing it to the wrong character uh, because you don't know the right character or whatever, right? Um, Right. So it's really interesting, and I, you should definitely come back and listen to this podcast after you've read the whole series, because uh, I I'm like sitting here like humming to myself like I cannot say I cannot confess or deny anything at this point shout out
1: to Abby who just got through all of this and compelled me to start reading this and us to start podcasting about it yes. so <laughs> who is probably doing the same thing that you're doing but while not able to talk to either of us
0: well she could just be yelling at the uh the, the radio so uh <laughs> oh, that's true
1: so maybe she has more of an outlet than you do right now <laughs>
0: um it'll be interesting when I listen to this episode if I uh am like ah! <laughs> um so are there any other characters or things that occur that you want to talk about in the end uh, of this episode?
1: Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the merchant person who uh, had the th- whole thing with a dagger and was following them along. I can't remember his Patton name right now. Padden Thane. Padden Thane, yeah. Uh, he bah. is... Bah. I was really yeah. tired of him really quickly.
0: That won't go away. <laughs>
1: Ugh, yeah i was just like oh man just go away and of course like there's that whole thing where they just kind of assume that he's gonna die because of this dagger thing except that he doesn't because you know he like, yeah. he's not really human anymore he like merges uh,
0: with the spirit and the sit. yeah i i don't know
1: it's it's really wonky uh yeah it's really, really annoying really
0: um yeah yeah I, I have no optimism to offer you on that character.
1: He's, he's just really frustrating, and I, I already got a read on I'm never really going to be satisfied with how this character works. Um, that is so, so you talked about characters that you really dislike. Just, like, I dislike him as a character, not just as a, you know, like, like I don't actually, I like the fact that Egwene exists. I like the fact that Nynaeve exists. I'm frustrated with them, but, like, it's a, it doesn't make me dislike them being there, but I dislike him being there. So I'm, you know, I'm going to take it a
0: step like, further. I don't just dislike Pat and Fane as a character. I dislike him as a plot point. I dislike him as a, like, anything.
1: Yeah, well, and that's how I feel so far <laughs> already. So, I mean, hey, you know what? Maybe I can, it'll help me to just not hope that that's going to get better. Um, be like, all right, that's fine. I'm just going to plod through any time he's present. Yeah. Um, like the white Oh, Oh, oh uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom. 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 We haven't talked about Tom. I. I, Tom. I think I actually really love Tom um
0: i i don't know maybe, how you could not love tom
1: honestly and i think part of it is like yeah he's just he's not central but he's just really supportive like he's risked his life to save the guy, the boys and he's like you know, let me teach
0: you to play the flute yeah
1: and how to juggle a skill
0: for the the savior of an entire world to have you know right, like, but it's come in
1: handy multiple
0: times yes <laughs> uh
1: he, he's just he's really cool the the ways that he's connected and he's like he's not Tavirin. But he's already connected on his own through multiple ways, right? Uh, in ways like, yeah, he's, he's about, he feels about as close as you can be to being Tavirin without being Tavirin, right? Um, uh, well, Because I, he's like, he's I, I, not I, a, well, go ahead.
0: Think about his, think about who he's supposed to be. Think about his name. Okay, I'm not going to say it if you don't figure it out. But like, every one of <laughs> these stories is someone, right? Like in mythology, whether it's Arthur. Wait, what's his last name? Merlin.
1: I didn't. Well, what was Tom's Maryland? Tom's last name? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, read it. I've only heard it. So yeah,
0: it, it's it's uh, you know ev- everyone is someone, and even even Matt and uh, Parent are someone. And uh, I actually have written essays on Matt, mm. that, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> uh, on who he is in mythology right. and how fascinating it is in relation to other popular media. Um, but uh, Parent. Per- Perrin, it might take a while but when they get there they hit you over the head with it um, Okay. and uh, uh you like rand althor even that's kind of like kind of like reminiscent of arthur and i think that's purposeful that you know not every not there's not a de- direct corollary between any singular character of legend and necessarily one you know real-time character sometimes it's like this right. idea that like these people existed and we're so far removed from them that we merged them right because rand right. was the one who got the sword from the stone not arthur right. pendragon right um or pendrag or whatever uh and so uh, you know tom is supposed to remind you of merlin but he doesn't actually have magic right right he's just like wise old guy uh kind of mischievous kind well, of there and- to advise people.
1: And and not that it would be the case, but you get the impression that if anyone were, if anyone here that we know of so far were to teach Rand how to use his power, it would be Tom, right? Like, even though he doesn't have it. Um, it's just, like, that's the feeling you get because he's, like, probably the one least likely to freak out about the fact that Rand has it, <laughs> um, given his history of his, his uh, nephew, I think it was. Uh, who had it and was taken and and stuff like that and just the general attitude that he's already taken with all the boys like right. when he gets into his drunken stupor because his the second love of his life is killed you know and an attempt on his life it's not really Matt that brings him out of it it's his concern for Matt that brings him out of it right. you know um yeah so I I mean yeah I really like Tom um I really like how. He clearly is annoyed with how many stupid things the boys do, but he'll put himself, but he'll just take the brunt of it anyways. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Tom's great. Uh, Who else? Uh, We haven't really talked about Loyal other than me mentioning that I like him multiple times. Oh, Uh, Loyal. He's our basically only non-human character. Yeah. Um, And he's great. And I don't really understand what role he plays, but I like that he's there. Um, He's
0: so great. And he's so like, yeah yeah I he's I, like I
1: love <laughs> he's like the, I, I don't know he, he's almost like he's the the weird like he, he's like the encyclopedia they read every once in a while yeah. to like be like oh okay yeah we because nobody listens to him but they also like ask him for information and he's like okay yes i have this information and but he also like i love how excited he is about writing his book <laughs> he's just like he's like well I guess you're Tavirin, and I love how loyal he is. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, I like that he really just, he's like, Rand is my friend. I'm going to be with Rand. (laughs) It's like, Rand, you are my friend, and therefore I'm going to be with you. Uh, I just like that about him. He's just so, I like how predictable he is, and it's just good the way it is. And I like how much different people how many different people react to him in different ways you know some people are like wait you're real and then others are like oh yeah it's no big deal we have plenty of you around here yeah (laughs) um and that he is just even the descriptions about how his ears react to things um and it just like he wears his emotions on his ears yeah uh yeah he's just great i really like him a lot um who else what other significant characters are there who we have not Spoken about, um, the, uh, the Amaran seat, I guess, has become significant by the end. Yes. Of book three. Uh, so she was also blue. Yes. Aja, right? Um. Yes. I get the impression there aren't a lot of blue Aja. Uh,
0: I don't know or is it just an, Or accurate. do I not have enough information? I, I think you just don't have enough information.
1: Because I feel like she and her, uh, what's it called? Whatever her assistant's name is. Uh, uh the uh, Keeper. The Keeper. So, like, the two of them and... Um, Moraine are, I think, the three that I've been exposed to.
0: Right. There, there's definitely the brown, the brown, pfft, the blue. Aja have their own whole uh, organization, as all the Ajas uh, do. So
1: there's a lot, uh, which makes sense. Um, and it might just be that actually, now that I think about it, I have been exposed to three, and it's like how many of the other I've been exposed to? What two Browns? barely to a couple of greens and i just don't know anything about them except that they have this weird reputation for liking men <laughs> like yeah I mean, um, there's still
0: there's yellow there's gray there's white yeah, and
1: i've not even heard of them um yeah. like in the books i mean uh yeah. I, i'm aware that they exist i just don't know anything about them uh they never even describe what they mean like the red is the only one that you're given they what will. their purpose is Okay, cool. I can. Tell well, and you the what brown. The br- like. Sorry, the, the brown is the first one that you're given. The brown. The brown is like brown. Aja like to basically. You just taught really early. They like to read and learn things, and they they're almost more concerned with understanding how the world works than anything else. Yeah, um, which is that's cool. Like, but that was straightforward. And the red are clearly they're the ones who you know sterilize because that's what they're doing, sterilizing men, right? Like that's essentially what the analog is for whatever and, it's and, and called you know the
0: green, they're the battle Aja
1: but that's I'm not even sure if that's been to, like that's been alluded to, but I don't even know if it's been outright said at this point.
0: so you don't know the purpose of the blue aja
1: I don't think so, huh I don't think they've even said it like I think that moraine has alluded to like I am like I want to go and do all this and then she of course talks about the fact that you know we know that she's told the Olin seat and the Olin seats talked about how like the other said, I would have her head even if, despite her position if they found out what she had done, which is why she won't even tell her keeper. Right. But, like, so you get the impression that there's something about her and Moraine and the fact that they're blue Aja that leads to what they've done. But that's it. Like, it hasn't even been said huh. what their purpose is so at this point. So,
0: I know what all the Ajas do. It's, it's kind of like the, the houses of Harry Potter, right? Like, at some point, you will know what purpose they all are and they all kind of to a certain extent live up to the stereotype right like uh whether that's because if you have the temperament of being a bookish person you choose brown aja or because if you've been in that aja for a hundred years you kind of you know become similar to other people whatever uh but you will eventually learn what all of the ajas do
1: right whether they do Um, it well (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh is so also a very interesting thing about this is and i you know, there's so many things going on in here that I don't even trust the characters understand the reasons for doing what they do that. I don't feel like I'm necessarily going to get explanations for a lot of them, but like understanding why the structures and why the Aja's came to be in the first place. And like why such firm splits and all that stuff. It's like, I would just be interested to know that I I, I'm fine with it. If I never learn why, you know, but
0: don't think that's directly explained in the books. And I'm not even sure it's explained in the glossary that they published. Um, yeah, I... It's just I, an interesting
1: thing, tidbit, you know, that would be you know, cool we, to know. We
0: do get some correlations between, like, the Aes Sedai of now versus the Aes Sedai of the Second Age, because they use the same word in the Second Age, right? Right. Uh, but the organization... I, but, and they
1: even call different. it the male Aes Sedai too, right? right? Or at yeah, least they, they say all it all
0: Aes Sedai, um, the male and female, but there was an Amarillian seat and then I think a Tamarillian seat. Um, but you, you learn about these things. Uh and then of course the fact that men can't channel breaks the system.
1: <laughs> right. And so
0: a lot of what the Aes Sedai are, I think was and it's interesting because Arthur Pendrak uh, Arthur Pendrak obviously affected it. Um but we don't know. We don't we're like, why do they have these specific Ajas? Why do they need Ajas? Why can't they just do whatever they want and be I said? I don't know. Um yeah.
1: and Well and, and again we have things like the oaths that at some point ostensibly they didn't have to do. Um but I don't know. Um, and you also have the thing where uh, the, the whole thing, the process they go through to become accepted. They go through the, what's the thing called? the, the I don't the know machine. its
0: name. It's a Terran Grail, but I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they go through the Terran Grail. It's like, well, at some point you guys didn't have the Terran Grail. Right. Right. Like, so what was your process before? What would your process be if this was destroyed? Well, actually, like,
0: I, you know, and this is, this is a plot point, right? Like, most Terran Grails and Seren Grails were created during the Age of Legends. Uh, right, and, and so the And they don't know how to
1: create them, right? Right, right. Now. So
0: presumably these Aes Sedai have always had those arches. Uh but you know, at one point they were first created, but that was in the second age.
1: Well, and that's what I mean by you. Like I I mean like they, you know, at some point Aes Sedai became Aes Sedai without having these, and they knew more than you do. Right. Because they knew how to make them. Right. Right? So it's like, so what are you like? Yeah, what, what do you do in the absence? Like, you clearly you're missing some of the yeah. point. Like, like you, you know, it, it's this thing that people do in general where a lot of the time a, um, a thing that people pursue for the sake of a principle becomes the principle, right? Right. And that's very much like you can see that strewn throughout their society um, is that like this is the thing, like you become an accepted by going through this tearing grail, but like so far, and I'm not saying they don't know, but so far they haven't said why. Like, do they even know why, or do they just do this because that's what you do? Right. And that's, uh, and, and that's the thing is like, because you could potentially change it. If you actually knew what the base reason was, then you could come up with other things to do accomplish the same means or, or accomplish the same ends rather. So, um, I, that's a thing that's just, I'm I having so fun,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I can't say them. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> um any other characters who who else uh, um oh one of the neat things it's not a character but when matt did blow the horn and i think it was arthur Hawkwing who actually was at the front and spoke to yeah. rand and was uh like spoke to rand they joined him in this in the battle but then they also spoke to um oh, shoot what's his name the uh the, the the smeller the the one who could smell uh oh. like uh I love him. And I can't think I of his name.
0: Cannot think of his name. <laughs> I feel like it starts with an H, but that's yeah. Not right. oh. uh,
1: but anyways, they, they, and they're like, you know, sometimes people get added to our number. And I just thought that was a really cool concept because he got all, all proud about it afterwards. Yeah. He like sat up like more upright <laughs> and stuff is like the idea of being added to that number is just like, wow, that would be amazing if I get to come back as, you know, as part of this company. Um, It's also a weird thing because it's like, well, the fact that these, you know, these warriors come back, but then are any of them reborn? So is it do you have multiple versions of you if one of you happens to be the person who blows it or is present when it's blown and so on? And that's a that's a fun thing to think about. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) I can just hear you wanting to say things and not saying things. It's great. (laughs) I can like hear the tension in your laugh. um man what else um the the general concept of all the hunters uh the is fun like yeah the, the all the people who are hunting around for the horn who have no idea it's already been yeah found. the great
0: thing is that they're ne- they're not gonna know <laughs> like it'll be like books yeah. later and they're like i'm a hunter for the horn and it's almost like the characters are like wait that's a thing that's still happening
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just really hysterical because it's like oh no it's already been blown it's already a thing unless he dies nobody else can blow it like um And, you know, I recognize that Matt's probably not going to die before, you know, a lot more happens because he's one of the main characters. Um, Yeah, uh, I also am really interested to, I feel like I need to go through and reread the prologue to book one. Oh, my goodness. um, Because I
0: highly recommend it.
1: (laughs) Because even of just my memory so far of it, it already makes a lot more sense than it did at the time. Yep. And I feel like every few books I should go back and reread the prologue to book one. Yeah. but, uh, yeah, I. what else? I mean, there's a whole bunch that happens in here. Uh, uh, the, Rand's fighting of uh, Balsamon.
0: Uh, in the sky? Um,
1: yeah, wow. in the sky. Like, when you don't know what's happening in the sky until he's told afterwards. Yes. But, like, they're just fighting. Uh, and then you're like, oh, yeah, everybody just watched this happen in the sky. And you're like, well, cat's out of the bag. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. the
0: moment when the cat is out of the bag. That's the moment when everybody's like, who is this kid? Right? Yeah. Like. Uh, something big is happening, uh, and, and it's such a critical moment, uh, and it, to, for it to happen so early. And and what is that place where it happens called? Because they reference it, and now I can't remember it.
1: They reference it a lot, yeah. Because
0: yeah. um. uh, they'll be like, "You remember that blah blah that battle?" Uh, and you know they're referencing Rand and and Baljaman fighting in the sky, but I can't remember what it is now. I, yeah. I want to say it's like Dolman's, um something, but I could be confusing it with a later. Tome head. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. uh, so I, I love that. I love that scene. And of course I, uh, I, I love all the characters involved in yeah. that scene. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh,
1: yeah. Do you, do you know
0: it, who Bla- Balazman is now?
1: Nope. We don't, uh, no <laughs> idea yet. Just it, all I have is the impression that he's not actually the dark one, okay. but, and that the others don't like him. Um, Cause uh, we have uh, what's his name, the person who's uh, the guy who has made the queen fall in love with him, yeah. uh, and so on. I think we've already found out who
0: Robin. What his? Huh? What? No, it,
1: no, never. His, mind. Well, I mean, we already know that he's one of the Forsaken, uh, or something like that. I don't know. Sure. But uh, he's call, He's calling himself Gabriel right now. Yes. I think.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um. So, uh, I think Matt already knows that he's up. To, that he's trying to get Elaine killed. Um, and has some kind of weird hold over the queen. hmm Um, but, uh, we have Lanvir in one of, in somebody's dreams, I forget whose, because so many people saw, uh, Tyr in their dreams at different times. Right. But, um, one of them overheard, I think it was Perrin, maybe, who, or maybe it wasn't, I don't know, somebody overheard Lanvir and one of the other, uh, one of the others talking about Balzaman. Um, I think it was about Balsamon. They were talking about him, like him not knowing what he's doing or something like that. Um I don't know. Yeah. It is, it I is mean, eventually you'll
0: find yourself keeping a like running Forsaken count. Because obviously right. like even we've lost Forsaken even in the first book, right? Right. They they uh met them at the eye of the world and uh Rand uh did away with them. <laughs> right. Uh, and so uh, uh but they're always disguising themselves too, right? Like Lanfear right. versus, you know, Celine versus this Gabriel guy. And who is he really? And, uh, you know, you know, they're all out there and there's like 12 of them. And so like, uh, in fan circles, even before the last book came out, it'd be like, you know, where is this guy? Where is this guy? What is he doing? We know that this political thing is happening in this country. Is that because of him? Is he there? I don't know. (laughs) You know? And, And you'd be, have these hypotheses of who's a forsaken and who's not. And by the end you'll know where everyone is and what they're doing. Um, if they survive, you know, to the end, because right. not everyone does. Uh, and uh, it's it's really interesting. That was one of the more interesting things uh, that was happening in fandom surrounding the Wheel of Time was, like, the bad guy count.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, well, where are they? <laughs> but one of the interesting things about this, too, is so far, I guess Rand has fought um, directly, like, one-to-one. He's fought two of them, one of them twice, I guess. Wait, who did he fight inside Tyr? I can't remember who it was that he
0: i because it was cannot one minute because
1: it was one of them who it seemed like it wasn't actually his place to fight rand but he wanted to do it anyways oh no he was the one who was trying to goad rand into into fighting trying to get him to have more power uh trying to get him to um to become a better swordsman and it was like taunting rand as if he knew that he was more powerful than him and was now going to win and then of course rand beat him um and it's like, that's the thing that happens a lot is, and again, we talked about the wheel, like, basically giving him swordsmanship, because it's clear that over and over, he's not as good as the person he's fighting, but then he manages to get better within the fight, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is a fun thing. Uh, who was it in that, in that um, thing? Let's see. Because that's the person who was talking to Lanbir, is, I think.
0: It is uh, Bilal.
1: Bilal. Okay.
0: Uh, Balazamin is there um right uh but it is i believe balal who duels rand i think that's right
1: um, yeah um
0: oh kalendor is the sword and yes Seren- the sarin is the more powerful of the two words so yes those big statues are sarin but the smaller cool. ones are taran um,
1: and is kalendor itself a sarin yes Did okay that's what i thought that? No, I did. They said that, but I couldn't remember if I was remembering it correctly.
0: Right. And um, uh, it's kind of implied at the end of The Dragon Reborn, they think Rand has killed Balismund, right?
1: Yes. That's what they think. Um, but, you know, uh, I guess they... I'm trying to think what else. So there's there's more that happens, uh, I'm obviously. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other... I've, I'm trying to think of what else significant that happens what are matt's plot well, we've already talked about all of matt's plot points i feel like um I, uh,
0: yeah i mean i think that's all the big stuff um yeah so i mean unless you have anything else I, i'm always afraid to bring up
1: <laughs> right
0: uh but i can't think of anything um other than uh whether you know it or not uh so eggween's horse bella yes So fandom latched on to Bella (laughs) to a crazy degree uh, that like if you Google like theories of Bella being the dark one, (laughs) there are theories, Um, but she has a horse. Uh, And it it was just one of those hilarious things. Egwene's horse is named Bella. (laughs) And Bella is going to be around for a while. uh, And it's just one of those things that was weird to see, like, how people had latched on to that thing, right? Uh, which I always found to be hilarious. But yeah. uh, Bella is not the dark one. I'm sorry if you think that's a spoiler.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, oh. Uh, one other thing is I think it's really interesting the, like, weird monsters that the Shanshen have.
0: Oh, yeah. That
1: aren't on our continent but are in some of the alternate realities that they, hit, you know, saw through the portal stones. Um, that was fun. And also interesting how Rand can still do away with them without using the power because, you know, arrows, and he's really, really good at using them. Yeah. But apparently so is Perrin, I guess.
0: I think a lot of them are who are from the Two Rivers. I mean, the Two Rivers, have they have a large skill set, and and bows and arrows, uh, long bows particularly, uh, yeah. is, one, is one of their uh, regional skill sets. Uh, so, be- I mean, the, Two Rivers is supposed to kind of directly correlate to Shire slash society slash you know uh middle of nowhere england uh so
1: but also be where manetheran was so there's like you know they they say over and over and over that the blood of manetheran runs strong there and therefore there's significant things about a lot of the people there presumably um because a lot of the things that matt's displaying were displayed by his dad too Uh, (laughs) so yeah
0: oh man uh so yeah do you have anything else
1: I don't I'm excited to now I'm allowed to start book four um right. oh, but you need to tell me and any listeners who have been who just read one through three before this what our next grouping is all
0: right, so just four and five
1: okay, just four and five which got is it. uh
0: the fire no the uh, the shadow rising and uh the fires of heaven crown of swords I'm not sure just read the next two <laughs> I <think laughs> got it's, it I think it's the fires of heaven um But I could be wrong. So read those two. I'm trying to group them with plot points, but because there's so many characters, it's hard because not everyone's plot points get tied together as neatly as the end of The Dragon Reborn. Um, Right. So fun fact, the reason why everything ties so closely together by the end of The Dragon Reborn is uh, because Robert Jordan being Robert Jordan, uh, these three books were supposed to be one. (laughs) Uh, and they expanded uh, and became three. So, uh, and kind of like a memory of light was a, the final book of wheel of time. They came to Brandon Sanderson and they were like, write us one book to finish the series. And then he was plotting it all out based on Robert Jordan's notes. And he was like, uh, no
1: way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it ended up being three. So that,
1: um, what are those called?
0: Uh, what is what called
1: the the three books that they became, that that became,
0: uh, the final three books are, yeah. um, The first title is lame. I remember that because it's almost like they had to think of it off of a off the no. So the Gathering Storm, Towers of Midnight, and A Memory and Light were all supposed to be a Memory of Light, (laughs) Uh, and that's Gathering
1: Storm. They say constantly, like uh, because when Rand like just suddenly starts remembering his nicknames and stuff. Yeah. uh and like just remembers things he shouldn't and all the time people are like how do you know that those words and he's like i don't know
0: yeah but <laughs> the, the title a gathering storm is kind of considered to be the lamest title and part of it no i mean is, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's because they that wasn't supposed to have its own title <laughs> it was supposed to be a memory of light and so uh yeah but so the the middle books uh Book four, I, I really want to know how you feel after book four and five. Um, uh, book four I- is good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there will reach a point where I might warn you uh, with other books that you have to plow through.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like I'm committed now, so... I. So,
0: uh, Yeah, so read four and five, and then after that, we'll have another podcast, though I'm sure after you get to a certain point in four, I do expect to see a very series of text messages that's like OMG. Um, (laughs) So uh, I almost considered doing a podcast just on four, but I thought that might be too uh, uh, too crazy. Especially
1: considering how many books are in this series. Right,
0: right. So uh, read four and five, and then we will reconvene for the next Wheel of Time podcast.
1: Excellent. I'm excited. All Um, right,
0: so I'll take us out. Unless yeah, you have anything. go
1: for it. No, that's it.
0: All right, so uh, you guys can follow us on the interwebs. Uh, the podcast is at Triv Crucial on Twitter. Uh, Michael is at Ahim, A U H I M, and I am at Brown Aja, uh, which is uh, Brown underscore A J A H. And uh, remember, this is just an ending, as there are neither beginnings nor endings in the wheel of time.